upon the passing of Gene Wilder, Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie Bucket, uh, changed his social media profile to read former child actor, veterinarian, inherited a chocolate factory on August 29th, 2016. Wow. He should also put bringer of tears because that's beautiful. We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1971 sweet classic. See, fun there. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I see. Now that you said the title, I understand the pun. (laughs) Yes, uh, so we decided to review this movie. It has actually been on our list ever since uh, we realized this year... 2016 was the 45-year anniversary of the movie hitting theaters. Um, But with the uh, passing of Gene Wilder, we thought that this was no better time than ever to remember um, his gift that he shared with us. So that is why we are here. We are going to be reviewing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, one of my favorite Gene Wilder films. It's a celebration. Gene Wilder had some amazing films, and some of his more popular ones were obviously this one, Willy Wonka, uh, plus Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles, and the original The Producers. Yes. Yeah, I didn't realize that Like when everyone was like tweeting about him and all his other work, I didn't realize that he was like in the original Producers. Yeah, he was Leo. <sighs> so good. So good. Yeah, the original release date of this movie was June 30th, 1971. And um, we are going to go into some history of this film because I like I, I remember watching this film a lot growing up. But man, did I not realize uh, all of the history that went into it. But also, and we'll get to this later, I, I feel like I always caught this movie right before they went into the chocolate factory or like right as Charlie got his ticket. Cause I remember watching the movie more on TV than on like VHS growing up. Was that the case for you too? No, I watched it on a, a real movie format. <laughs> I watched the movie from beginning to end. <laughs> I watched them make the chocolate all the way to the end i am so sorry uh (laughs) i don't Um, know why it started with them going into the the factory well well, i just know that anytime like i was watching tv we were like flip through channels and then willy wonka and the chocolate factory would be on and like charlie would have just gotten his ticket because i remember that scene more vividly than anything else i don't remember his mom uh singing to him which we'll get to later uh, as to why that was uh never saw him in a classroom uh never saw that hilarious teacher who i just wanted more of <laughs> just that I wish really he... makes well that makes the slugworth storyline real confusing oh yeah oh and slugworth ne- i feel like i never saw him like this Although, was my if first it, time watching Slugworth. Yeah, if you but if you got it where he first got the golden ticket, then you saw 
you saw him run home, but you also saw Slugworth stop him in the street. I don't remember it. I don't remember oh. that part at all. But because that's... you you were like, why aren't there opening credits over all this thing? <laughs> like, I want to know who directed this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into some history and figure out why I've seen some chopped up version of this movie later. Um, but yes, this movie is, like we've mentioned before in the podcast, Originally a Roald Dahl novel uh, written in 1964. And the idea for adapting the book came when director Mel Stewart's 10-year-old daughter read the book and said, Hey, ask Uncle Dave to make this movie. Uh, and that Dave being David L. Wolper. Now, uh, so basically this is this is where it comes into play. This is the thing that I think is so interesting. So, um, Stewart showed Wolper who had just so happened to be in the midst of talking with Quaker Oats about creating a vehicle to introduce a new candy bar from their Chicago-based confectionery. And Wolper persuaded the company, who had no previous experience in film, to buy the rights to the book to finance the picture to promote Quaker Oats' Wonka Bar. It's that easy. (laughs) All you got to do here, listen, kids, you want to make a movie, talk to your father, see if you know Uncle Dave, and hope that he's in talks with Quaker Oats and the property you are trying to get made also just so happens to be a chocolate company. <laughs> it's that easy. Yeah, I, I can't spell it out for you any clearer. <laughs> yeah, and so, because... Uh, th- I was curious as to because I I'm, I know like the Wonka candy like from mm. childhood, um, but I was curious. I'm like, well, when did this movie uh, come into play, or when did the candy company come into play? Right. And it was supposed to be released at the same time of the movie. So, um, the movie was changed to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because the original book is called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, so at the time, there are a couple of reasons. One has to do with what the term uh, Charlie meant. Uh, at the time, uh, the Vietnam War was at its oh. height. And American soldiers referred to both Viet Cong and North Vietnamese forces as Charlie. So hmm. studio executives feared that a public who came home each day to see the war on television might be a less interesting uh, or might be less interested in going to see the film. With, if they use the original title. And they also wanted to enforce the branding of Wonka when they were going to release the new Willy Wonka brand. Right. Charlie's not selling these bars. Yeah, right. And so um, originally the plans were to have Roald Dahl uh, write the original script, but uh, with revisions being made, like you do in Hollywood, uh, and also the casting of Gene Wilder, Roald Dahl kind of hates the movie or kind of hated the movie. Um, it's pretty different than what he wrote. Oh yeah, like they. Um, I think the main things that he uh, didn't care for um, was that uh, he thought that it focused too much on Willy Wonka and not enough on Charlie, and also infuriated that um, Slugworth, who was like a minor character in the book, turned him into a spy, and mm. also he just hated the fizzy lifting drink scene. Like I don't <laughs> know why, but he did. 
Uh, <laughs> he hates art. I guess that's that's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, but, no, um, I can see how that'd be super frustrating though. If you have a very clear vision in your mind, because the stage play is actually closer to what was written than the movie is. Um, yeah. Everything down to like the squirrels that you uh, see, even in the Johnny Depp remake. Yeah, uh, like that's part of the original sequence. Is you have all these squirrels that are opening. Uh, opening up these nuts to be used in the different candies, and right. um, like Charlie's dad is in the play, and I believe he's also in the book, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of little changes. And I can see how those would add up, and Roald Dahl would be like, "Um, am I remembering correctly that I wrote this story?" <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing that I didn't know. So there was actually a sequel. To, Char- to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And the Glass Elevator. I didn't even know that. And yeah. here's the... It, for those of you who have who are like me and have not heard this premise, buckle up. So, the sequel takes place where the titular vehicle, the Glass Elevator, shoots into space. Mr. Wonka stops shape-shifting aliens. And Charlie's grandparents get into trouble with a de-aging potion. And because of Roald Dahl's disgust at how the 1970 film turned out, he forbade film adaptations of the sequel, and we rarely see any adaptations of it. Like, even in his will. Like, it was written in his will. And if I so pass, never let them make a movie of this. I like it's if I so pass. Like, if I die. Maybe he has the de-aging potion. Yeah, that's why he didn't want the word getting out. Kind of going back to the Chocolate Factory real quick, because I found that I did a ton of research and I thought that was super, super interesting. Um, So the company, the Quaker Oats company, tried to launch the Wonka chocolate bars twice uh, because they were trying to launch it at the same time as the film. But both times, with both movies respectively, uh, both the 1971 and the 2005 uh, remake, uh, both times were unsuccessful because they couldn't get the candy out, basically. Like, they had some kind of uh, malfunctioning uh, thing happening at the factory. Um, But the chocolates were never really the big success with the Wonka brand. Instead, the candies... Instead, when they were bought by Nestle, Nestle moved some of their candy products under the Wonka line, including Nerds, Sweet Tarts, Laffy Taffy, and Fun Dip. Um, so those are all now under the Willy Wonka brand, um, and they like thrive very well, as well as, hmm. of course, the everlasting Gobstopper. That's very interesting. Yeah. I wish the chocolate had done better, because I really like chocolate candy. Yeah. And can you get Wonka chocolate bars? I think you can. I just don't know if they're like as widely available. I feel like you have to go to like a specialty shop like they had in the movie, which that song... I didn't realize it was from that movie. Again, pointing to the fact that I feel like I've never seen like the first half of this movie. You thought Sammy Davis Jr. wrote that? Yeah, I just thought that Sammy Davis Jr. wrote that song. Yeah. Didn't know it was like an original song from this movie. Ah, yeah. It's all connected. Go straight to the top. Um, so, uh, a few more fun facts uh, just in the production of the film. Um, the cast wasn't allowed to see the chocolate room until the scene where they first emerged into the room uh, so that their reactions were genuine. Um, huh. Because they did a lot of things like that. Like, they hid things to get 
uh, people's authentic reactions, especially since they were working with kids. Um, like Wanta ranting his poem <laughs> during the riverboat scene. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they didn't tell the actors that he was going to be doing that. They just knew that they were going to go through the tunnel. <laughs> and he That's just kept fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I just, I love that so much. I love yeah. that that was a thing. Like, it's we're so gonna... fun to go back and watch that scene yeah. and like watch the reactions. Like, uh, just clockwork orange these kids on a boat <laughs> yep oh man yeah and um and all of the entirety of the monty python cast uh, expressed interest in playing willy wonka once the project was greenlit uh but they were all rejected because they weren't famous enough outside the uk oh yeah egg that's on your face right and Another almost famous person, I mean, this person ended up being famous for other reasons, but for being another eccentric, childlike character, John Petrie, the third doctor, um, who was almost Willy Wonka. He was considered for the role. Interesting. I really like the third doctor. Uh, he's so great. I like Petrie's him a amazing. Lot. He's, I believe, the only doctor with a tattoo as well. Mm hmm. A visible tattoo right after regeneration. Yeah. But that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> yet. That's what this that's not what this podcast is about. This is a, yet. Yet. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, so you said that you grew up watching the full version of this movie. What was yeah, not that to like? brag. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It had a beginning, a middle and an end. Do tell. I was always fascinated by the opening credit sequence, just showing how the chocolate's made. Yeah. Because um, it made me have a different perspective on it, mm -hmm. I guess. My favorite was always the um, the Hershey's Kisses machine. It has the Hershey's Kisses globs. It mm -hmm. goes in a row. And, um, yeah. I remember it feeling a little long, though. Yeah. As I... <laughs> title sequences are from that time. Well, they did the credits basically up front, which I thought yep. was a is it's a thing from the past I always forget because when the movie was over, they just said, "All right, these are the people who are in the movie and the end." Like they yeah. just they ended the movie on top like, "Hey, you you get the pan of the sky and fade music and we're out." All right, everyone. Good night. Like it because they had this all the um, characters, and I remember it's just like I can't remember the last time I saw like a second cameraman like <laughs> at the top of a movie. Yeah, and back then they used to show clips for the next Marvel movie before the film. <laughs> it just opens with Nick Fury. You think you're the only one who owns a chocolate factory? I hope Jimmy Stewart's in it. <laughs> I want you I want you to join the Avengers. <laughs> well, that's my secret, Pilgrim. I'm always angry. Oh. That was less John Wayne and more Al Gore, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stop there. Oh man. Yeah, I so I honestly I felt like I saw so many of these th scenes for the first time, like up until he gets the chocolate bar. like uh, he looks down the grate and uh sees the coin 
Mm-hmm. I was like, I've never, I feel like I've never seen this part. Um, that the teacher was amazing. Um, I just, I, I feel like he must have been like a well-known uh, character or actor, or maybe he, he's a character in the book. But that scene was just such a gift. I just loved how he was like, "All right, class dismissed," and uh, and the Wonka mania just all around the place where everyone was just freaking out over the Wonka bars. I it was so fun because I feel like Candy never played that big of a role in my life, Cause, right? Because like I like at most I would get like some kind of sugar cereal, like maybe like Honey Nut Cheerios. I think was like the kind of cereal I was like allowed to have, or no Pop Tarts. Pop Tarts was like the sweet treat that we were able to have growing up. Mm-hmm. But like besides Halloween, um, where we would get like. A serving size of fun size Kit Kat bars. Um, I don't think that chocolate played as big of a role in my life as it did in this movie. So that was really fun to see just how everyone was like, I will get that golden ticket. This Wonka is legendary. <laughs> it, it would be really interesting to see all of the, um, you know what? I'm not going to finish that sentence. I'm going to hold it off for a later for a later segment. All right. So there you go. There's a fun size tidbit for you. Uh. Save the rest till later. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme with Roald Dahl. I feel like he really hated television. Like, and childhood. <laughs> well, like, so that one kid, the kid who was obsessed with the guns. Oh, Mike TV. Yeah. Yeah. He... Was just like they're like, oh yeah, TV's rotting your this kid's brain. He's so violent because of TV. I'm just like, wait, I thought we already watched Matilda. <laughs> well, and uh, Veruca, not Veruca, um, Violet, mm-hmm. Violet, how her dad does the commercials for the the car dealership Hard. as well. Yeah, it's like the people who want to hog the limelight and be on TV. They're the bad people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I man. And I think this is the first time I watched the movie where I actually like listened to the lyrics of the Oompa Loompa songs. <laughs> like, uh, I always remember the first one, uh, but all the other ones, it's just like, chewing gum is bad, and that's why you went away. <laughs> it's just oh. like, you were obsessed with this gum, and that is why you get nothing! Nothing! Gobbling down sweets. They're really just uh, doing the musical equivalent of the things the trainers on The Biggest Loser yell at the <laughs> contestants. Uh, just more choreographed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think uh, just overall, just like seeing the movie, like I... I didn't realize how uh, <laughs> just, not, not necessarily dark because they the way that these kids kind of all go away, um, especially like with the bigger theme of just like, oh, no, he like these kids were like a bad eggs or bad seeds kind of thing. And they had some mm-hmm. kind of fatal flaw. Um, and yeah. It was all like a test for them. Um, but I, I just <laughs> Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Every single time they're like, help him. He's like, help, stop, police, murder. <laughs> like, he's just, 
<laughs> he had no chill, and I loved it. It was yeah. one of that, like just Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. I know that they like Rodolph, who probably would have wanted some other people, but Gene Wilder did such a good job at playing that character. And I, I have some headcanon as to what makes it such a strong character. Mm-hmm. But before we get to there, I will just say like I loved his range. Um, because what he, I, I didn't realize this until the research, but that, um, that he was, uh, reading he, a, a, all the quotes and sayings that he had, um, he was just quieting or quieting, quoting, uh, a lot of literary resources like, um, Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being it's Earnest. It's a lot uh, of Shakespeare. Yeah. Shakespeare, uh, The Merchant of Venice, like all those other things weren't a thing in the book. It, it was, uh. It was something that the screenwriter added into the movie. And it's something mm-hmm. that made him quirky. But also, if you knew what he was talking about, he's just making uh, connections. And I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, just like see his, just to see his mind work. And I'll say this. After watching this movie, it really made me understand the 2005 Mm -hmm. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory a lot more because at the end of this movie you're like wow Willy Wonka was such an interesting character I wonder how he got that way and that's what Charlie and the fact Charlie and the Chocolate Factory does um, even though we're not reviewing that movie but like it's but they're very connected yeah they're very connected like they they do they focus a lot on Charlie up front but they also intermix a lot of backstory for Willy Wonka, which they've never really explored uh, mm-hmm. because it's more about Charlie's journey under this uh, kind of tutelage of Willy Wonka through the chocolate factory. See, to me, it feels like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory is more about Charlie and Charlie and the chocolate factory is more about Willy Wonka. So I guess you're now you're going to tell me that uh, Greenland is filled with ice and Iceland is really green. Did you have that ready? Was that prepared? That was amazing. That was an amazing analogy to this specific situation. I did it. I did it. I'm, I, I'm flabbergasted. Thank you. I uh, am going yeah. to, you know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to make like Peter Ostrom, the guy who played Charlie Bucket, who only <laughs> quit ed- while you're ahead. <laughs> well, quit while I'm ahead. I'm done. Grayson, you got the rest of the podcast. Well, thanks for listening. You can visit social media on the internet. Join us next time where we goodbye. Rewind. That's how you do it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. You nailed it. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I just, I, I was able to appreciate this movie in a lot of different ways. Not only just with like paying more attention to like Gene Wilder this time around, but I think no, finally seeing all that backstory about Charlie and his family and how all they wanted was for this boy to like experience his chocolate factory. I can't believe that you haven't seen the beginning of the movie. The beginning is so important. It really is. I don't know what happens because honestly, I think we, I think when the 25th anniversary happened, 
because I, I went online and looked up like the 25th anniversary cover, which I want to say was like a 94 um, or something like oh, that. Was that the one where it's Willy Wonka up front? He's like leaning forward and the other kids are behind him. It's not the one where it's, it says it's scrum diddly umptious above him. No, it's not that one. It's the one where Charlie is in the front and he has a golden ticket and Willy Wonka is just kind of oh. like skipping behind him. Because that's the image that I remember the most. I see. Um, but I remember when that came out, my mom bought it because she loved uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory as a kid. Like She checked that book out of the library all the time. And she said that when the movie came out, it was exactly how she would have imagined it. And um, Tell and- that to Roald Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But she she loved it, uh, and so after that, I remember we owned it. But I don't. It, it wasn't a, one of my go to movies. I was too busy um, watching Space Jam and The Mask over and over and over mm. again. Uh, but Space we, Jam is also pretty different from the novel. Yeah, the in the fact that it exists. <laughs> it's very different from the novel. <laughs> Roll doll, right? Real? Roll doll, Space yeah. Jam. Roll Doll Space Jam, where the, the kid actually hates basketball. <laughs> because he, because his parents always watch it on TV. And, uh, and overpaid athletes are actually what's wrong with the world. Yeah, because they keep on buying used cars from the sleazy coach. Oh, man, That's weird. why they get sucked into space and they freeze to death. <laughs> uh, that I'd read it. I'd read it. <laughs> oh man but yeah just uh actually like finally seeing the whole thing all together and there were actually certain times when they cut that musical number from charlie's mom um on on tv broadcasts because they said it wasn't yeah as essential to the story as i I totally agree yeah everything else so that's what at first i was like i definitely don't remember this and then in my research they said yeah they cut it out of some tv versions i was like okay well that explains it as a kid since i was watching it on a movie format like Mm -hmm. a vhs yeah i uh (laughs) i i would call that snack time uh where (laughs) i could pause it because I was watching it on a movie format, like mm-hmm. a VHS. Mm-hmm. And, but I wouldn't. i just let it play, and I'd go to the bathroom, get a snack. I'd come back and be like, okay, good. <laughs> Did it miss anything I didn't want to miss? I know she cares about her son, and that Charlie is sad, and that he's the real-life embodiment of Charlie Brown. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like picture. Cheer up, Charlie. I'll get you a dog. Good grief. Oh, Except man. if they if she sang that in the Charlie Brown movie, it'd be <laughs> But we already reviewed Charlie Brown. <laughs> Please check it out. Um yeah, is there was there anything else? I mean, since you did watch it on a movie format, uh, was there anything that you noticed this time around that you didn't notice before? Uh, there, there was a ton that I noticed this time that I didn't notice before, but I think a lot of that can be reserved for the head cannon. Oh, perfect. 
Yeah, and um, I think the last thing I'll say before we go ahead and launch into headcanon um, is I think the thing that I didn't realize or I get the gravity of as a kid was the concept that, like, Wonka as, like, a person, like, built up this empire of just, like, making really awesome chocolate and, like, candies and things, and someone tried to take that from him and then he just shut the whole world out and then he decided to open up his heart again to like let these uh kids come in so he could find someone else to pass on his legacy to um and i think that's something that you get a little bit more with the 2005 version because i think it's like laid out for you very clearly like i'm looking for a family um (laughs) (laughs) that was my flawless johnny depp impression so you're welcome. That was a gift to your ears. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go to the dentist because Count Dooku. <laughs> or something. I, I really don't remember it very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Um, I just remember the kids are okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they walk yeah. out the factory at the end. Um, That's the sequel, right? The kids yeah. are all right. I yeah. never saw the kids are all right, but I thought it was the, the sequel that couldn't be made. I don't. I think that's a different movie. Mark Ruffalo plays Mike TV. He's grown up. He has the proper proportions. Uh, I'm sure there's evidence for head candidates to connect the two. Oh, maybe, maybe not. People would leave angry comments. <laughs> oh, goodness. But yeah, I just I didn't con- make that connection. Like, I don't think I saw the full story. I just thought that, like, oh, well, Charlie, by happenstance, just so happened to be the person... To be the best because he was the nicest and his granddad was there with him. And, and we spent the most time with him throughout the whole movie. So he got it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I got, got the lesson. Like, oh, wow. So, like, because I didn't get the whole, um, oh, let's give the gobstopper to, um, to oh, what's his face? Slugworth. Slugworth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get that storyline. So I was just like, oh, so he gave him candy and that was the nice thing to do. So, of course, he gave him the chocolate factory because no one was nice to Wonka. Um, and I thought that was, I, I thought that's what that was. But, like, seeing it this time, just seeing that whole thing that, like, no, you don't understand. Like, when he did this, he was seeing who he could pass on his legacy to, who who he would, like, train or to, like, give this big gift of something to. And who would be more deserving than Charlie and his family like this kid who like worked really hard and like was good natured kind of like the whole aladdin uh concept of just like only a diamond in the rough can enter the cave of wonders like someone Mm -hmm. who's good of heart that sort of thing i thought that was really cool to see this time around yeah good catch thanks but i probably would have caught that if i watched it on a movie format (laughs) It plays a lot more completely. <laughs> you, get, you get those themes early. They plant the seeds so they can grow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But now let's head on over to Headcanon. <laughs> Help. Police. Headcanon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Headcanon is the part of the show where we talk about our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence Provided by the movie. Grayson, I feel like you've been waiting for this moment, so I will let you go first. I have a lot of headcanon. 
Some of it makes sense, some of it doesn't. Some of it I'm still working through, so if it gets too confusing, stop me and we'll work backwards and can fix it. Um, I want to start with something I read a while ago. Um, so this is not original headcanon, but um, it's something that we, we also applied to another movie. Um, but the idea that the seven deadly sins can be found within the different children. Right. There, there are only five children. Um, some of them are more obvious, like Augustus Gloop is gluttony. Mm-hmm. Um, we have greed uh, slash wrath. Both of them are found in Veruca. Um, Violet has a little bit of gluttony as well. Um, but I... it's, it's not so much gluttony. It's more like pride. Yeah. Um, because she, she wants to be, um, she wants to be on TV. She wants to be like breaking the records of her friends and she's always showing off. So that's more pride. Mike TV has sloth to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just always, uh, on the couch. He also has a bit of pride too, cause he wants to be, uh, on TV. Um, and so you have these, these different components there. Um, lust is, is always difficult. Um, to to really identify. Yeah, I'd say like uh, um, I remember the girl who was like, "Daddy, I want it, I want Veruca. it now." Mm-hmm. Yeah, she like she like envied other people, and also, oh uh, yeah, I guess lust isn't. Well, it's the same like as the envy. lust for power. Yeah, you could say like she wants to own an oompa loompa. She wants to own a person. Yeah, that's usually the sign. <laughs> that's a flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's, that's- and so just uh, you you can move them around and mix and match, but um, that they're, the seven deadly sins are represented in some form mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, that was that was one element of it. Another element is that uh, for my my head cannon, something I noticed um, was there's a there's a moment when. Um, Mrs. Bucket, Charlie's mom, is being very real with him about his his chances of winning. It's right before she sings the song, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, like, there are a hundred billion people in the world. To which I was like, mm, not even close. <laughs> That's not right. Like, closer to seven billion. Um, she says a hundred billion. Um, like, that that struck me. I rewound it to be like, wait, it, it, she says a hundred billion people. How could she be that far off? Like I I know, you know, it, it, there seems to be like public schools and things where you could be educated on that kind of thing. So I don't think it's just ignorance. So I was like, okay, let's go with the premise that there are actually a hundred billion people. That would mean this is set way far in the future where there's a population crisis. Mm. All right, so what are some other signs that this is set way far in the future? Maybe the fact that the uh, architecture around them is actually closer to like a Bavarian, like Munich, Germany type uh, area, which is where they shot on location. Mm. Uh, But everyone speaks with American accents aside from a few... British accents that pop up, like with the teacher and things like that. Right. Um, so why is there a predominantly American culture in a in a Bavarian uh, 
town Mm -hmm. using what appears to be some kind of ambiguous money. It's like, well, that's because it's in the future and those culture pieces and those artifacts have just blended over time. Um, However amount of time it would have taken to actually get to 100 billion people, which is why I think so much of the technology actually looks like it's regressed is because there's been some kind of rise and fall of tech to where we had computers like we do today, but there was some great disaster that kind of reset time. Yeah. Like Siri is now just the text-based format that's really sassy. Became self-aware. Terminator (laughs) Genesis. Heck yeah. But yeah, this is some kind of like dystopian future or like post-dystopian future where it even says one of the newscasters says like a sign of our times and it's just like a pile of trash Mm. uh, with Wonka bars in it things like that um but yeah there, there are things that are off about the culture to make it very difficult to pinpoint in a distinct time and place and I think that comes from a cultural resetting um by extrapolating out these events way far into the future when there are a hundred billion people. Um, But yeah, that one comment made me think this isn't in the past or current day. This is way far in the future. Uh, That also explains the Oompa Loompas who are um, the product of uh, evolution over time. So it's possible that the Oompa Loompas are actually the last of our current Homo sapien batch before it reset to be what they are now to be like the humans of the future interesting Um, so when he's referring to all of these different creatures that he saved the oompa loompas from um those are more than likely genetically altered uh animals from some great nuclear war interesting Um, but yeah but it's ancient history to these people which is why most of them don't even know about it yeah that's really good So that brings me to why does Wonka know so much about the past? I picked it apart. My main headcanon is that Willy Wonka had a partner, Mr. Wilkinson, known as Slugworth. Now, there was an actual Slugworth Mm -hmm. who uh, is working and is making its own product. We see in the shop that there are Slugworth candies being made, but we never see any Slugworth products in Willy Wonka's factory. So I think there's an actual Slugworth incorporated out there that did send spies 20 years ago when Grandpa Joe was up and walking around. Mm -hmm. I think all that's true. I think Wilkinson just took the name of Slugworth to make the story believable after the fact. Um, But headcanon is that Willy Wonka and Slugworth were business partners. Uh, When they were young men, they set out to make candy uh, because they could see the world was not in a good place, and like the song says, they want to make the world taste good. Um, Economics have shown that whenever there are recessions, when there are wars, downtimes, people turn to entertainment to distract them. Entertainment actually does pretty well a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Uh, entertainment, some, some kind of escapism, I should say. Um, and in this case, it would have been chocolates. So they invested in chocolates, did pretty well for themselves, and they were innovators. They created uh, amazing things. Clearly, they can manipulate space 
uh, with the way that that uh, car wash machine moves through. You only see half of it go through before it starts coming through the other half. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the glass elevator can move all around. Mike TV is able to be teleported. Uh, so they, they have this manipulation on space that we see. What we don't see and what's not as apparent is the manipulation on time. Uh, and I believe that uh, Willie and Wilkinson actually manipulated time uh, to such an extent that they broke time and they don't know how to fix it. Mm. Um, so when they broke time, two versions of themselves were actually thrown into the past. Um, so Wilkinson was uh, the young version of Wilkinson is the teacher Uh who's more comical but very serious uh, at the same time. We see that he makes potions of his own. He re- refers to an ointment of his own making whenever they're pouring it in and it explodes. Um, but he doesn't get it quite right, which is why it explodes, uh, which would make sense because Willie was actually more of the inventor and Wilkinson was more of the uh, the business side of it, but still had an interest. Um, and so Wilkinson's the young version. So that means Willie is the Candyman uh, from from the beginning of the film. Hmm. You look at the outside of the shop; it's called Bill's Candy Shop. Bill being a nickname of William Billiams. or Willie. William's Candy Shop. <laughs> so, like, why would it be Bill? But you also have Will. So he, it's actually the first candy shop that Willy Wonka ever owned ah. um, was in this town, um, and it's in the past. So that town is as it was, uh, you know, as it evolved through time, the only residents of it that are from the past, though, are um, or that are displaced in time are the teacher who is struggling with it because he, as Wilkinson, probably wasn't as involved in the manipulation of time. He's more a victim of time, Mm -hmm. which is why he decides to move the test to Monday before they've actually learned the material that they will be taught on Friday. He has these very confused notions of time. Right. And then you also have um, the, the candy man who money's no real object to him. He doesn't take any money from the kids in that opening song. The only money we ever really see change hands for him is when he takes the coin from Charlie. Suddenly he cares about money when he's Mm. buying uh, the candy from him. And whenever uh, Charlie goes back to get the the last one, he's like, well, I want to get one more for Grandpa Joe. It's, It's Bill who takes the specific candy bar from the front and says, do this one. He hands it to him specifically. Yeah. Uh, he says, take a Wonka bar because he, uh, Charlie had ordered, well, I think the scrum diddly, I'm sure. Yeah. He's like, yeah how about a classic chocolate bar? Exactly. So without even asking other than I want to get something from my grandpa, Joe, he gives him that specific bar. Um, I think all of this was a plan because Willy Wonka is trapped. It's why no one goes in. It's why no one comes out. Mm. And the man with the knives is actually the like that knife <laughs> cart that says that. <laughs> he is actually more like the keeper of time. If, if you look at the, the mythology of it, he's like, um, if you've seen 11-22-63, spoiler alert, if you're looking to watch 11-22-63, but the yellow card man who is more like a, um, a a keeper of time in that. 
the um so the unspoiler alert uh so the 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 knife cart man is actually trying to prevent people from leaving and i believe that slugworth or as we see him with the scar on his face he left uh the factory uh, was actually attacked by the man at some point with the cleavers, and that's how he got the scar, mm. is he was cut with one of those knives. That's just tangential, but people wonder, how did he get the scar? The guy with the knives did it. Yeah. Uh, so Slugworth went out. He's trying to bring all of these people in uh, because he needs someone to take over the factory. He, Wilkinson and Willy Wonka both need it to happen so that they can break this loop that they've found themselves in. They're in this like infinite time loop, hmm. um, which you kind of see in some of the naming of the candy. It's an everlasting gobstopper. Mm-hmm. They have frozen time basically on how they're, how this candy works uh, that you can just chew it and chew it and chew it and never loses its flavor. That's because they're actually manipulating time with the candy. Hmm. Um, anyway, Wilkinson has found a way out and he's trying to recruit people back in. Meanwhile, Willy Wonka is still stuck in there um, and manipulating all of the events of the factory so that when people move in uh, to this to this bubble, essentially, um, what Willy Wonka is trying to do is find a way to break the time loop. And uh, it's not until Charlie relinquishes that everlasting gobstopper um, which is like a time totem, basically, mm. that uh, he sees someone who is willing and able to uh, press the the button, so to speak, in that glass elevator, uh, and that that button being the the protected seal of uh, of time there. So whenever they burst through the the glass at the top. That's the first time we've ever seen Willy Wonka outside of that bubble. Mm. Um, and so that's breaking the time bubble um, and resetting the loop so that uh, Charlie can actually now step in. So I believe that the the time loop will continue, but um, Willy Wonka is now free to live his life um, and kind of you know, move on from it. He, he, he can come and go. But if Charlie so chooses, since he was the one strong enough to break it the first time, Charlie now, unlike Willy Wonka, who only had control of space and broke time, Charlie has control of space and time um, so that his grandfather, he could live there forever. Uh, His whole family, they could live there forever. Uh, And that's actually what Willy Wonka says. Like, you can live here. You can stay forever. This is yours. It's not just the like, no, you can live here till you die. He's saying you can live here forever. Yeah. Um, so in that, it is literally a happy ever after. Yeah. Almost like a consensual Santa Claus. You got that from <laughs> that? <laughs> like, just like how, like, hey, if you end up accidentally killing Santa Claus, you become the Santa Claus. Um, instead yeah. of just like, listen, Wonka isn't only just a person, it's a title, um, which goes directly into my head canon. Willy Wonka is a time lord. I knew, I knew it. I said, I said it to my wife <laughs> when he walked out with the cane. Yep. I go, Ricky's head canon is going to be that he's the doctor. Oh, yes. Well, here's the thing. And here's, um, and this actually kind of came with the help of some, um, theories on the internet. 
he's not just the doctor. It ties into your head can your earlier head canon that he's the doctor's final form. He's mm. the final incarnation of the doctor. So this does take place in the future. Um, my only difference is is that it's not that the Oompa Loompas are um, an evolution, but that they are aliens. They he brought them here from another planet. Yeah, because if you look mm. at them, they're very subservient, almost like the Ood. Like the Ood or like uh, Ood. Mr. Meeseeks, oh. a Rick and Morty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Existence is pain. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Meeseeks, yes. Um, but like, hi, Mr. Meeseeks. <laughs> Take some points off my golf yeah. swing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like the Ood. And the Oompa Loompas, like, they, they they, they wear their hearts on their sleeve, and, like, they're a very trusting um, race. And I want to say that they, like, crash-landed. Um, and I think either Wonka, like, found them and, like, saved them and, like, listen, I can help you. Like, I can offer this to you. And they're like, oh, this would be great kind of thing. Um, but not only that, um, but that that's why he seems so quirky and kind of unearthly. Like he feels so much like uh, the 11th doctor um, or maybe even the mm-hmm. fourth, just how he's, um, he's very literary like the doctor and he's very knowledgeable about these specific things that not many other people understand. And what he's really trying to find is his final companion so that he can not only pass the torch of uh, the chocolate factory, which is, I would say just like a side project for him, uh, but also for him to become the new protector. Because he's like, listen, I can give you all the things that you will ever need to not only bring joy to people, but also to protect them. Because in the subsequent sequel, uh, Charlie and the Glass Elevator, it can go to space. So I think it yeah. is a version of the TARDIS that's a cl- like, it's clear. Uh, the chameleon circuit works like really, really well. And it can travel through space, and so it's all about his adventures and becoming the Wonka, which is a title. So the the small door, uh, that room, uh, whenever they go in and they turn around, those circles are just like the first Doctor's TARDIS. Yep, they sure are. Also, the Gallifreyan language. Yeah, I would. I yeah. So that's my first headcanon. Well, I'm going to yes and that headcanon uh, real quick because you said that it's a side project, uh, the the Chocolate Factory is. Mm-hmm. I I think uh, the reason he started it was to make more Jelly Babies. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. You want a Jelly Baby? Well, how about a Gobstopper? It never oh. loses its flavor. Because like that, like seriously, a candy that never loses its flavor and never ends would put him out of business, which proves that he's not interested in the business of it. He's just interested mm-hmm. in doing, like just making these different things. But my other headcanon uh, happened as soon as the other kids landed in America. Because I don't know if you got a look at that airline, Grayson. Pan Am. Pan Am. When's the last time we saw a Pan Am? Hook. Other headcan is that Wonka is a lost boy. He's a lost boy grown up. <laughs> he is a lost boy grown up who is he, but he never lost that child within him. I think he got brought back to um, you know our normal world away from Neverland and just grew up. Because why else would he make a contest for chocolate? And why would he just like, come up with like all these creative things with the mind of a child and also hand the keys over to a 
multi-billion dollar business, I assume, to another child. Because he's like, oh, I can trust you. Because, like, who else, like, would, like, after someone would betray you in the company, shut the whole world out? Like, he basically said, everyone get out of my room and just slam the door. Like, he's mm-hmm. very childish in a lot of ways, but he also doesn't have, it feels like he's more so playing grown up than anything else when he's just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, all this, that, the other. And he befriends um, these Oompa Loompas, um, and, which is very natural for him to like befriend especially if he is a lost boy who's used to all these other different kinds of um creatures and um life's life forms that are like in his world and he just like lives a very normal life for him but he is lonely like a lot of the lost boys in hook um he's lonely he longs for friendship and companionship and that's why he's like i mean i want a friend to play with or like i want someone who can like build this with me and he makes that contest out that attracts all those different kids so he also creates these um, situations where it traps the kids who take for granted the things that lost boys don't have Mm. like food like the gluttony of augustus gloop or just the selfishness and the lack of manners for uh uh for like others who don't have stuff with uh violet Mm. and um veruca um, and then the the fixation on uh, on technologies and things like that with Mike TV, like they're all very much lifestyles that a lost boy would not connect with. Right. But coming to the factory uh, without your your parents, like he brought his he, Charlie's the only one who didn't bring a parent with him. Mm. Uh, he brought a grandfather, and a lost boy doesn't have parents, so. That would, he would gravitate towards Charlie a little more. Right. I want to add one alternate ending Do it. to my head cannon. My my forty five minute long <laughs> head cannon. Um, that Charlie, um, was actually the young version of Willy Wonka, but doesn't realize it yet. But Wonka knows it, and it's a loop that happens, which is why we don't see Charlie's dad. Um, it's kind of like Anakin. He never had a father. <laughs> uh, now that's showed up. pod racing. But that is the infinite loop. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I, I would say my last bit of headcanon is that that knife man um, is the father to the lunch lady from Billy Madison. <laughs> You're scaring <laughs> us. No one goes in, no one comes out. That's Sloppy Joe. <laughs> sloppy Joe! <laughs> uh, now we're going to go to uh, the part of the show called Recast or Remake, where we talk about if this movie were to be remade today, uh, what would the story be and who would we recast? Uh, and I think it goes without saying that Charlie would be played... By season two, Luke of Modern Family, because just to age him, just age him up a little bit. Season just two, a little Luke. bit. You gotta really, you know, give him time to get his emotional range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So we talked about that. This movie has already been remade, mm-hmm. but if you did the Willy Wonka remake, oh yes, uh, where it's it's you know the remake Roald Dahl never intended. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it would be uh, I, I would cast Willy Wonka with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh, he would be really good. He can do the songs and dance. He can do the comedy. You know who I'd want? Hmm. I would love Matt Smith to play Willy Wonka. Yeah. Like that's good. Matt Smith, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, both look good in vests. It's a toss-up. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, so my all-star cast would be, it would be Matt Smith as Willy Wonka, season two Luke as Charlie, um, but I want Peter Capaldi to be his grandfather. <laughs> um, and then I'd say um, Violet, I would want, um, what is her? What is her name? I'm trying to remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got it. I just want... Oh, you got well, it? Well, I, I can't remember uh, the name of the kids, but I will say... Um, ah, there it goes. Yeah, I would want... Um, I would want the mother of uh, the TV kid to be... Um, I'm blanking on her name. Um, Robin Shabatsky, her real name. Oh, Colby yeah, Smolders. Yeah, Colby Smolders. And then I would want the used car salesman father to be Jason Siegel. Um, oh, that'd be good. But then for the kids, um, I I'd say, oh yeah, um, that girl from um, Stranger Things. Oh, Eleven. Yeah, yeah. I want her to be Violet. I say Vi- Violet or the other girl. I forget what the other girl. Faruka. Yeah. Faruka. Uh, Faruka. Yeah. You remember these names way better than I did. Well, because I watched the full movie. <laughs> That's right. You you have several years on me. Um, that that's interesting with Colby Smolders playing Mike TV's mom. It might be a little awkward with my casting because I want Mike TV to be played by Jay Leno. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, you hear about this? There's a western. I'm watching a western. Uh, I was not Jay Leno sounding at all. <laughs> no, it's, but it's spot I think on. that Mike. I've always thought Mike TV and Jay Leno were like. Twins that were probably born 50 years apart. <laughs> Actually, at the time of the movie, they... wait a minute. Was Mike TV played by Jay Leno? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it was played by Paris Thimmon. But how old would Jay Leno have been oh, in 1971? <laughs> movie math. Movie math. Move aside. I'm doing movie math. Oh, goodness. Oh, you know, Jay Leno was born. <laughs> Jay Leno was 21 years old when the movie came out, so he could pass for a child. You know who I'd love for Mike TV? Um, Zach Callison. He's the voice of Steven Universe, mm. um, and he, I mean, I would argue, I he would be such a great Charlie because he just his voice is just so cheerful and so pleasant. Uh, I feel like he would do a great Charlie, but if not Charlie. If we do have, if season two Luke from oh goodness, if season two Luke from Modern Family beats him out, I think I would love him as uh, Mike TV. And for Augustus Gloop, um, I would want the kid that Billy shakes his head in Billy Madison. <laughs> says, "Don't you ever say yeah. that. Stay here as long as you can. You got to cherish it." Ah, oh, so good, so good. Um, but I would love, I honestly would love to see, um, whatever 
sci-fi adventure the sequel would be. Like, I know Roald Dahl never wanted it to happen, but I would love to see that as, like, a, a sequel. So I think I have a way around it. Mm-hmm. And it would be a Netflix original series. Yes. Not a sponsor yet. <laughs> uh, but uh, it would be... All of those scenes, and this is what I was talking about earlier, and then stopped, but then wanted to say here yeah. now. So it paid off. Go. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> no, there is time. <laughs> uh, I want to. I, I would like to see the stories of all those people that we saw around the world trying to get the golden ticket. Like the guy on the therapist couch and the woman whose husband has been kidnapped and they're holding ransom, the last box of chocolates um, and like the auctions and, and things like that. I want to see each of those individual stories in a Netflix original series. Ooh. Call it Golden Call it like, Ticket. Golden Ticket's good. I was thinking Chacos. <laughs> yes. I love it. Like Narcos, they didn't really play. Chacos. Or like Orange is the New Dark Chocolate. <laughs> Think of all the chocolates. That's all I got. House of Candy. <laughs> Gin- there it goes. Oh. House of Chocolate. Uh, gingerbread House of Cards. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this podcast with our final segment, Reasons to recommend. Grayson, why would you recommend Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? I recommend this movie for the reason that we chose this movie to watch this week, and that's for Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder delivers such a comically honest performance um, that can make you laugh. It's touching. It's scary at times. And um, we've, we've said this on multiple episodes but when an actor passes the movies they leave behind are time capsules Mm. um, of their work and a little glimpse into who they were and uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is such a beautiful glimpse into the work of Gene Wilder and for that alone uh, I recommend this movie yeah absolutely I second all of that I also say like the the cool thing about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that you, especially like as an adult, you get to appreciate it for something a little bit different. Uh, the thing I got the most, especially after watching, I guess, the full movie for the first time in several years, um, <laughs> I got to see that like this movie from the perspective of Willy Wonka and how um, he's like really misunderstood. And a lot of people just like speculate of like who he is and like what he's doing and everyone wants something from him. But all he really wants to do is make the world feel good because he's the candy man. He's a simple guy and all he's trying to do is just leave a legacy and to continue it on. And he goes through just so many obstacles to find people who see the same um, value or have the same values as him, but not only that, but like he, I, I just respected so much how Gene Wilder made this character feel very familiar, but also out of this world. Like he, I just loved how Willy Wonka as a character felt sympathetic, but also, um, just, 
sweet pun 110% intended. Uh, I, I love seeing how yeah. he, not only that Charlie saw like the good in him, because Charlie's like, oh man, like this is the one thing I want to try to like share this experience with my family, but also how like Wonka saw the good in Charlie. He's just like, listen, you are deserving of all of this, even though he came from so little. Um, and... Yeah, there's just a lot of themes to pick up from this movie, uh, especially the second time around. Uh, but also, when looking at Gene, some of the gifts that Gene Wilder gave us with this film, it's it's a it's a great movie uh, to kind of go back to a place where you can see a world of pure imagination. I think that was an original. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. So, I'm. I'm I'm going to say, yeah, that was me. That was all me. If this were a visual format, I would show the condescending Wonka <laughs> to you right now. Oh, you're an original? That was original? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I almost missed condescending Wonka when it went by, but my wife caught it. She goes, oh, condescending Wonka. It's like oh, it's almost like he was posing for that moment. Maybe you guys aren't ready for this, but your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> Actually, your kids' kids are gonna love it. Kicks over an amp. <laughs> Sparks fly. Uh, so that is our review of the 1971 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Let us know what you thought of the movie on social medias. <laughs> on. I did it. <laughs> you did it. Uh, let us know on Twitter what you thought of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, and let us know what you thought of this review that you're listening to right now on iTunes. We um, Go ahead and search Flashback Flicks and we should pop up. Let us know in the review um, on a scale of chocolate bars. Like, hey, this this review was about four chocolate bars or two uh scrumdiddlyumptiouses which are double i assume in chocolate you do the math also you can post your candy name where you take some word that describes you so an adjective take the first part of that and then add your middle name backwards and then the last half of that adjective what would your name be? I don't know if it works. Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's press pause and see what my name would be. Um, Got to think of an adjective. Uh, I don't have a middle name, so mine would just be the adjective. <laughs> um, g- give me an adjective. What do you think of me, Ricky? Uh, I think you're neat. Neat. All right. So we'll do a N-E. My middle name is Douglas. So it'd be N-E-S-A-L-G-U-O-D, and then the A-T from the back half of neat, and I am a Nessel Gudat, a Nessel Gudat bar. <laughs> Click for the pin cap. Uh, You're welcome. Let, yeah, let us know what your candy name is as well. Um, and be sure to follow us on Instagram where we will be posting about what movie we will be reviewing next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind 
Henry Wise.